This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Weekends were made for sports. How would you like to play for the New England Patriots? I'd love to. A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. Everyone, meet freelance alien bounty hunter, Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp? The football guy? Yeah, I hunt aliens now. Used to catch TDs, now I catch ETs. You ever caught an alien, Shannon? Not yet, Mr. Question, but I'll let you know when I do. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. Oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at this room. What a beautiful room. Have you seen this room? Yes, we're in it. And Rashad Taylor. Okay, dude, I can see you don't want to be cheered up here. Come on, Donnie, let's go get us a lane. On ESPN Sports Radio 1080, The Fan. Hour two of two here on Sports Sunday. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor with you. Jesse Osmond here as well behind the glass. Talked a lot about the Blazers and the Warriors in the first hour. I'm sure we'll get back to a little bit of that in the Hate It or Love It segment, which is coming up at 1030 as per usual. If you haven't listened in a bit, we've got our new little point system. The winner gets to host the last segment of the show and decide what their segment is. Now, the catch is that the last segment's normally about four minutes, <laughs> so you get a little bit of chance to host it, but... uh yeah, you get a little prize for winning, plus you get the the music that plays. So that'll be coming up at 10.30. Wait, there's a prize? Well, the prize is hosting it. Oh, okay. Hosting the last segment. It's it's basically exactly the same as Around the Horn, how they get their last you know minute on the show to say whatever they want to talk about. Okay. So we, we basically stole that whole idea to finish off uh, Love or Hate It. Meh. It's a form of flattery, it's, right? It's what we do in the industry. Right. We don't come up with original ideas. We steal ideas. Uh, the original good. idea is Mario noises. Oh, the sound's off. But Mario noises, that's the original idea. There we go. We got to use that. Great artists. Nerding it up in here. Because we like Mario. Great artists borrow. Yeah. It's okay. They sample. They sample music. Um, so we talked a lot about the NBA. So let's change gears a bit to the NFL because I don't know. If you feel like I did, the draft just snuck up on us. The NFL draft is on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. But um, the first round's on Thursday. And there's been talk about it, but it's all of a sudden it's here. Man, and you know what? I couldn't give a damn any less. You know, it's just one of those things. I've I, There's so much talk leading up to the draft, and there's not even this much talk before the NBA draft or really any draft, but the NFL for months and months and months, this is what we've been talking about. And it's all speculation and Miles Garrett's going to go here, but the Browns are going to do this and this is going to happen. And nobody knows the hell they're talking about. Kuyper's making stuff up. McShay's making stuff up. I mean, I don't think they're any, look, they're, they're neither one of them are making stuff up, but both of them are just saying whatever somebody is kind of telling them. So then it leaves us in a situation where all we get to do is talk about what we actually want you know, on our team, and we talk about these players that we don't know 
who they are in the first place. But I do know this. Miles Garrett from Texas A&M, if you haven't seen him play, and you know the if you, Channel 6 is the SEC football, so you'll get it every single Saturday during, during the year, that kid is for real. And if the Browns do the, do the Cleveland Browns that they typically do and take a quarterback first, then you will see that they are exactly who they we thought they were. Well, this came across my team stream 16 minutes ago. Hall of Fame defensive lineman Warren Sapp rips probable number one pick Miles Garrett. I see a lazy kid that makes four plays a game. Says Warren Sapp. Okay, cool, man. Warren Sapp's Hall of Fame. Warren Sapp is Hall of Fame. Warren Sapp will tell you he wasn't always the hardest worker either, you know, in, in, on the, in the league. So, which is why he was always kind of overweight. Very good, but, I mean, just think of what he, Warren Sapp could have been had he, was, had he actually been in shape. Is is that what we're gonna say about Miles Garrett? It, it, th- think about what Miles Garrett could have been if he hadn't been drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Oh, for sure. <laughs> That's probably what's gonna happen. Um, I think the most interesting part about the draft, and this is usually the case, but it's the quarterback position. But there's a secondary one which we'll talk about too, is the running back position, which I find really interesting this year as well. The Ezekiel Elliott pick from last year, where he went really high and then had an incredible season. I feel like has maybe incorrectly so raise the value of the running backs briefly because of kind of what's going on in the NFL right now in terms of the running backs not being very, very, very good. There's a lot of committees going on, but let's start with the quarterback position just because that's the easiest to talk about this year. In my mind, there is not one first round quarterback. There isn't, but there's going to be two or three at least taken in the first round because the NFL is a quarterback league and there are many teams without a quarterback. Now, the question is who will be taking the highest and what teams will be doing the taking? Because you got guys like Mitch Trubisky or Mitchell, excuse me, Mitchell Trubisky. And uh, he is all of a sudden the number one pick, right? And I think we've talked about it on the show before. I don't understand why he's such so highly rated because he had one year at North Carolina. I don't get it either. Uh, the only thing that he is is he's tall. He's got all the measurables. And he has an arm. So, of course, he's going to be rated highly, but he's had one year at North Carolina. You've got Deshaun Watson, of course, who to me feels like the true number one quarterback just because of his history in college, beating good teams, being a consistent winner. Uh, You've got uh, some of the other quarterbacks like Deshaun Kaiser has been talked about. Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech has been talked about. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two, but uh, there's just – it's a weird year at the quarterback position, but because so many teams need quarterbacks, it feels like they're all going to reach and take a guy like Mitchell Trubisky way too early. And to be honest, I feel like that's kind of a downfall of a lot of these teams because it has been proven the last few years that you can get a great, great quarterback not in the first round. We can go in the second round where Derek Carr was drafted. We can go into the third round where Russell Wilson was drafted or the fourth round where Dak Prescott was drafted last year. You can get good to great starting quarterbacks and not waste your first round pick. No. Yeah, you can. And I think it's I really and this is this is going to sound kind of weird, but I think it's almost kind of more of a, a of a curse than a blessing to be in the first round. Because if you're a, a first round pick, then you mean that like means high in the first round. I'm, th- I'm in the first round, period, because there's nowhere you can go but superstardom. Like if you come out and you're just kind of okay, then you're considered a bust. Like I mean, if you if you're drafting the second, third, fourth round, there's no real expectations for for you could be great, 
you could kind of fizzle out. But if you're drafted in the first round, that means a franchise decided to spend big money on you and you don't produce the numbers that they think you're supposed to produce, then you've got it hanging over your head that you're a bust, you know, a la Deion Jordan, you know, or uh, RG3, you know, or, or any anybody else that was taking, taken in the first round and just for whatever reason didn't, didn't pan out in the league. That is, that's a good point because the pressure is just instantly now, on if you. You're, if you're a second, third, fourth round pick, uh, granted, you don't get the money that the first round pick gets, but you also don't get a lot of the scrutiny. Like, I mean, you can't have multiple bad games if you're the first overall quarterback taken. You know what I'm saying? Or you can't have a lot of bad games if you're J- Jadevin Clowney. We're just getting to a point to where we're saying, okay, I guess you're not a bust. Why? Because in the three seasons that he played, he was hurt. He wasn't there. But if, if he were a fourth round pick, nobody would care. But the fact that he went first overall is like, man, it, Pick it up, but Well, and part of the reason you're seeing these guys succeed, like the Dak Prescotts, the Russell Wilsons, the Derek Carrs, is they had most everything else at that point. Like, I think Oakland being kind of the difference, where Oakland was is still in the middle of their rebuilding. But when you look at at Dallas, they had everything. They even had the quarterback, but you know the, it, he was just kind of like a, a look to the future that that came earlier than expected. When you look at at um, Seattle, it was the same thing. They had everything. They even went out and got a, a quarterback and free agency, and it just ended up being like, we have something special here. So when you think about it, like it's the teams, it's it's the teams like the Clevelands, the Buffaloes that are constantly like, oh, we don't have our guy, and they're constantly reaching and 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 taking these guys. Where you you have teams that are allowed to look for guys that fit their scheme, that fit what they want to do, that are mature and smart and maybe a little bit ahead of where where they were. Like, I look at this guy from Texas Tech, this this kid, I don't even... Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, who's gaining a lot of steam right now. He's going to be a, a probably a third or a fourth round guy. But he's not good. It, I heard one of the most scathing reviews from him from Todd McShay. He said his ceiling is the highest of any quarterback in the draft. But Patrick Mahomes is a literal mess on the field is what he said. Ceiling is the roof, bro. I, I don't know what Thanks, I think. It, I mean, if Todd McShay knew what he's talking about all the time, it, like if any of these he guys... knows more re- than I do. I haven't watched Texas Tech. Play. He, he does know more than we do. But the, the fact of the matter is, a lot of these guys are going out there who are GMs that that's what they spend their entire year doing, trying to figure out who to draft, who's the best fit for their team, who's, who's going to take their franchise and change it. And more often than not, they're still failing. So who are we to say whether Mahomes is good or not? Or, you know, the the fact of the matter is if Mahomes fits what, uh, let's say, Arizona wants to do and they're looking for somebody to replace Carson Palmer, then we have no idea whether he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers who gets to sit there for a couple of years and then turn out to be a great thing. And sometimes those guys can whiff on, you know, a lot of dudes, you know, often, you know, quarterbacks, running backs. Uh, we, we've seen guys like Josh Norman, who's considered one of the best corners in the league, go in the sixth round. We've seen a dude who just won his fifth championship go 199th overall. So it's not to say that, you know, all the time McShay and Kuyper are head on. A lot of times they whiff too. Well, so- the, well, the one thing I will say is, and it's kind of the overarching theme for me in any draft, never reach, never reach for a position of need for a player that isn't worth drafting at that spot. I agree. Uh, especially for teams who are at the top of the draft who need a quarterback. Guess what? You're at the top of the draft because you need everything. You need help everywhere. Uh, you don't never reach. 
Mitchell Trubisky is not a top 10 pick in this draft. He just isn't. He's in, not a first-round pick. In my opinion, he shouldn't be a first-round pick. You're right. He will be, but he shouldn't be. Um, the Browns need help everywhere. So draft players that will help you and hope that, A, Brock Osweiler can be serviceable enough, or B, you get a guy late like Mahomes or Kaiser or whoever you want it to be uh, later in the draft, even in round two or three where it's not as much of a reach, and see if maybe they'll, they'll be the helpful quarterback. Yeah. That's where these teams get themselves in trouble. If the Jets take a quarterback with the sixth overall pick – they don't. They have so many issues on that team. There's all those teams that need quarterbacks. They need everything else. Yeah, you don't, there are drafts where you don't need to reach. There's the Winston Mariota draft where you don't need to reach, and you can take a quarterback one or two. Where the Andrew Luck uh, number one pick, you don't need to reach for that. That you're lucky. Some of it's about luck. Some of it's about being bad in a year where there's a great quarterback and, and you need that. And go ahead, go and take your what, Andrew Luck. That's what but, it was because you you had a year with Andrew Luck where you also had. Uh, Heisman winner RG three and there was somebody yes. else in that in that draft I can't remember was it Russell Wilson was he in that draft Yeah I think so Yeah so I third mean round, so yeah third round but you still had three well two really quality quarterbacks you know that that you could have taken at, at that point Well so. and it, even then though you thought RG three was a no brainer and you look at what RG three is he's probably not going to be in the league in another year or two and you look at he wasn't he was a no brainer his first year until he got yeah. hurt too and you look at you know. Yeah, Andrew Luck was a no-brainer, and that the, he is one of the the biggest no-brainers that you've you've had in a long time at the position. The problem is, though, you have a GM that doesn't know how to build the rest of the team, and so you have a guy like Andrew Luck really willing that team to victory, but there's no real team around him because you have a GM that doesn't understand apparently the game of football. Johnson Royal looks like Randy Johnson. <laughs> Oh, sort of. With, with except instead of he just has the like a soul patch. I didn't know Bronson Arroyo was still in the league. He has the awesome leg kick, by the way. Watching baseball when you could be watching playoff basketball. Is basketball on? Yeah, Channel 2, 702. Thanks a lot, Lynch. Yeah. I mean, Lynch's well, got it on MLB Network, man. Hey, right now, riveting. Pacers. Talking about cool. Bronson Arroyo. Oh, I'm not watching Pacers-Cavs. Are you kidding Dude, me? tied what? at 10, man. Tied at 10. <laughs> Get out of here. Absolutely. Let's watch Pacers-Cavs. Right? All right. Oh, coming you're up, outvoted. Coming up next. You can't even see the TV in here. <laughs> I see the reflection right there. Coming up Coming up next, the running back position is also really interesting in the draft to me. There's actually some really good running backs, but are they going to be drafted too high? We'll discuss on Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I've been outvoted. We're watching Pacers Cavs. Oh, you're definitely against my better judgment. And you've got an okay (laughs) game thus far, man. Travel. It's a three point game in the first quarter. It's a three point game. It's close. In the first round of the playoffs when the Cavs are up three games to none. Here's what I like about this series, though it's always physical. This series has always got a bunch. And now that Lance Stevenson is back on Indiana and he's playing like he can play basketball again, it's like sometimes it's just a matter of fit. He didn't fit in Cleveland, or excuse me, he didn't fit in uh, in the Clippers. He didn't fit for Charlotte. He fits there in Indiana. I'm just going to say merp about this game. I don't know what that means. So <laughs> <laughs> It just means that you're, it's like a meh. Oh, I know I what that means. I'm not, I'm not feeling it, but maybe when the Yankees start in 20 minutes, I'll switch to that game instead. 
Uh, but uh, we got this text here. How good is Andrew Luck? He had one good year, but hasn't done anything except cash checks since then. I don't think it's Andrew Luck's fault. A, he's had no offensive line, and he's gotten injured every year. B, he's had no receivers or running game. They've basically done the worst GM job possible building a team around a really and good And a crap head coach. Like, I mean, remember two years ago when we were saying there's no way that Pagano keeps his job and he was going to be ousted at the end of the season, especially after that weird, weird play against the Patriots where he pulled – everybody off the offensive line it was just you know we nobody thought he'd get his job back and then he did so uh andrew luck is just he's in a bad situation there that team is way worse without that dude at the quarterback for sure and i I really think it's it's about the team around him not him uh the running back position is really really interesting in the draft this year to me you have guys such like christian mccaffrey from stanford leonard Fournette from lsu dalvin cook from florida state uh, Joe Mixon, uh, even though we don't really want to talk about him from Oklahoma and and others. And in a lot of the mock drafts that I've been seeing, I'm seeing running backs go top 15. And what's interesting is I feel like going into the draft this year, we didn't see any of these guys mentioned as top picks. We saw a lot of late first, early second round tags on them, but they have slowly risen up the ranks all the way. And I wonder how much of that is because of what Ezekiel Elliott is doing in Dallas when he was a top five pick last year. Yeah. Because we had gotten to a point where the running back position was basically by committee overvalued by everybody. They were saying, ah, we don't really need this. We can have a bunch of guys who can get this job done and we can take running backs later in the draft and it'll be fine. And you've seen a lot of top picks not pan out, especially the Alabama running backs. If you want to include Trent Richardson in there. Mm Mm-hmm. You do. And uh, who's the other running back who left Alabama who didn't uh, play very well? Not Trent, not uh, Derrick Henry. He's only been for a year. The guy before that. Trent Richardson. Oh, Trent Richardson. I, that's and, who I said. And, and then you have uh, Mark Ingram who never played up to Mark, his level. Right. Mark Ingram's the uh, Eddie Lacy's been okay but not great. Right. So you've had a lot of top running back picks be <laughs> fine to bad players. But Ezekiel Elliott goes top five last year. And even some people had some issues with that, like saying, you're taking a running back top five? What are you doing? Well, then he turns out to be one of the best running backs in the league and is just his rookie year. No big deal. It's it's fine. Yeah, Ezekiel, the thing about Zeke, though, and people, especially if you're a football fan, I think you need to recognize this and really pay attention to it. Man, Ezekiel Elliott had the best offensive line in football, period. You're talking about an offensive line that let – um uh, was it Joseph Randall? Was it Joseph Randall? What was his name? The, the running back. Yes. Was Joseph Randall had uh, twelve hundred yards? You know, in a season behind it. Uh, the year before that, um, Demarco Murray, you know, was breaking all types of NFL records running behind that offensive line. So it wasn't like you know it, Zeke came in there and just you know turn turn the franchise around from his play. The fact that he was really good definitely helped. But unless your offensive line is set up like the Dallas Cowboys, which took them about five years to really construct, then I, I say don't go ahead and get your running back hurt. If you're Leonard Fournette and you're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars being the team that takes you, um, guess what? Their offensive line, not so great. Just go ask Blake Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 not, it's not very good. Or if you're Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers are supposed to be your offensive line, yeah. 
Ask Cam Newton. He's getting beat up by that line a whole, whole lot, man. So it's important to know that, you know, while these guys are – and you have to take a Christian McCaffrey. You have to take a Leonard Fournette. You're not going to let them slip to the, you know, 15th, well, 16th pick of the draft. I guess, they're there, you have to take them. Well, I guess my question is, are they actually top 15, 10 picks in this draft, or are people looking at it and going, we can get another Ezekiel Elliott? Yes. No, you can't. Because Leonard Fournette is – that bruising running back, which seems to be going out of style in the NFL. Now, there's a couple who still do it, of course, and but it's not exactly the style of running back that works as much anymore. Ezekiel Elliott is not just the big bruiser. Uh, he's got all sorts of levels to his game, which is more kind of a Christian McCaffrey who can catch passes too, which that is vital. Now, there, there are a lot, of, a lot of teams that throw to the running back way more than they used to, so that's going to be a big one. But guys like Dalvin Cook, he's fairly small comparatively to like Leonard Fournette. And then Joe Mixon, I, I'll be honest, I didn't really watch him play. And frankly, I don't think a lot of teams will draft him. And he shouldn't be drafted. But can I, can I say this real fast? If you're an NFL team that drafts Joe Mixon, Mixon, miss me with the whole NFL cares about domestic violence and the commercials where everybody's crying and all this stuff. Man, spare me with, with, with the crap because you don't mean it. And so if you go ahead and take Joe Mixon, that's telling me a lot about how you want to run your franchise. So do you think... All I'm going to say about that. So do you think that it's going to be... Is this the rise of the running back again? Or is it just two years where there's really good running backs coming out of college? Or wh where do you see this going? Because we've seen years now where the running back position has basically become a, a cast off. I think you're getting back to a day where the running back is a really important part of the offense. You know, we we know that you have to be able to have a run game, especially as it comes when it comes to November, December, and January, because that's when you really win games, you know, in the trenches. And you can't pass the ball a lot of times when it's, you know, 30 degrees outside. So having a good run game. Right now, if you look, um, the running back position in the NFL is, I'm not going to say about as, as good as it, you know, has been, but there's a lot of guys, even the guys that don't, produce like that are still you know very good running backs you look at somebody like um uh uh mike gillisley you know that just went to the just went to the new england patriots you know mike gillisley is not a guy that i think people looked at as um a, a great running back but he was by numbers the most efficient running back in the league last year you know and so you look around and you look at guys like ezekiel elliott and you look at guys like even um uh, and Le'Veon bell and the way he runs you know you've got guys that are bruisers you've got guys that are really you know that that are great on finesse you know it's really it's like pick your poison you know if you want a guy like even somebody like uh garrett blunt still that very much a bruiser you know type of character and then you turn around you got somebody like Deion lewis and so there's so many different types of running back. It just really depends on what type of scheme you really want to run and can that running back fit into that scheme. And, and it's also a, 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 a need thing. When you, when you look at it is, you know, um, Dallas, you know, th three years ago when they had DeMarco Murray looked like a juggernaut of a team. They lose DeMarco Murray. They have Darren McFadden. He runs for a thousand yards, but it doesn't look like the same team. They, they establish they need that same type of guy. They need a guy that can that can fill that DeMarco Murray role, and they went out and got him. A guy, uh, a a team like Tennessee, they took him. Now, granted, they took Derrick Henry in the second round, but they they established fixing their offensive line before they went out and got a, a running back. When you look at a guy like um, Todd Gurley, he goes and has a great season in St. Louis, now L.A. You start seeing that step back. 
well, they don't have a great offensive line. And then teams realize they don't have a quarterback and they don't have wide receivers. So you got this great running back that's not great because he's the only thing they have there. So when you think about it is, once again, bringing in the GM into this situation, uh, there's no reason why you can't take a running back in the first round. But it, it comes down to you need it. You need that to be kind of the piece you need, not he's just really good I, and we're going to throw him in there. I also think the running back position height it, or the going back to where it used to be is indicative of the level of the quarterback play coming out of college. There's so many bad quarterbacks that teams need to run the ball more. You're not getting elite passers every year. You're not getting guys who are going to be the next Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or Russell Wilson or, or anybody that you want to throw on that list. You're getting a lot of average and maybe a little lucky with a guy like Winston or Mariota. So I think with that, you need to have a better running game with that too. All right, we got a break coming up next. Hate it or love it, who will win the battle of the Mario points first? Jesse S. Sports Center. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, that music means it is time for Hate It or Love It. We give ourselves points now, declare a winner, and they get to run the final segment. So, Jesse, go ahead and get us started. All right. Let's stick with basketball. We talked quite a bit of that. But uh, you guys currently watching a... Uh, well, no, you're I not. I turned it you, off. I was just about to say, I see the reflection you, you've overturned the outvoting. Well, for. the Yankees are starting, so well, I'm putting well, my team on. Rashad's Washington. rolling Yankees his eyes Orioles? in there. Oh, my Lord. Awesome. No, oh, yeah. Yankees, Yankees or Oh, oh, that. Get it right. Oh. So much going on in the world of baseball right now. Yes. All right. Game four Yankees of the uh, Pacers-Cleveland uh, series. It's quite possible Indy's going to be swept. Right now, they're leading by two, but it's early in the game, and LeBron hasn't turned on LeBron yet. With that being said, game four will be the last time you see Paul George in a Pacer uniform. Ooh. Um, I'll say hate because he still has a full year left on his contract. And I find it very hard to see the Pacers trading him because he's by far and away the best player on the team. Um, the, the talk was after... 2018 he would become a Laker right he said he or his agent said Lakers are bust essentially that he was going to go play for the Lakers that was it it was final I don't see them trading him I don't see them getting rid of him maybe he's not happy there but he's still their best player they're still a team that wants to win Larry Bird still wants to win if you've watched Larry Bird he's been so frustrated in this series it's been kind of cute actually Every, they always cut to him in the stands and he's just like exasperated beyond belief about how bad the team is but I feel like if you have Paul George for one more year, you see what you can do with him because you're not going to be very good without him. You're going to go back to being a really mediocre team because outside of him, you don't really have any talent. And the Pacers have never really been that good of a team. You don't have a good coach, Nate McMillan. Sorry, Nate, you're not a very good coach. And they barely scraped into the playoffs this year. They needed the final day of the season to do so. And it's just, I, I don't see them getting rid of Paul George. Now, maybe before the trade deadline next year, if they are struggling or they're not into the playoffs then maybe that's the perfect time to do it because you'll get something back for him you know you're not going to be able to, to keep him the year after that 
and uh, desperate teams who are looking for a trade piece might be willing to give you a lot for him, especially teams with draft picks. So maybe that's the smart time to do it. But I think they'll at least keep him until the trade deadline of next year. Uh, hey, I think the last game he'll play will be game five. I think the, they will go ahead and win tonight's game because they're, play, they're playing for pride. You don't want to lose every game on your home floor. I do think, however, that Paul George and the Indiana Pacers are kind of done. I know Larry Bird, even thinking back to when Paul George hurt his leg, uh, he was kind of angry that he even played in the uh, in the World you know, Classic or the, whatever we're calling it, the Olympic basketball team. Um, Paul George has openly said, I want to go to the Lakers, and I think that's kind of a kind of a no-no as well. But it's one of those things, man. They've never done anything at this point to put any type of real help around Paul George. The most that they've done for him is went out and got him Lance Stevenson. Oh, when they when they were able to compete, when they had guys, they got like, them Jeff Teague this year. Oh yeah, my fault, Jeff Jeff Teague. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be the difference maker. When you're in an Eastern Conference that has a surging Boston team and obviously has the defending World Champions and the Cleveland Cavaliers, you're gonna have to do a little better than Jeff Teague for Paul for Paul George, which is probably, and I think we can all agree, the second best player in the Eastern Conference barring nobody else you know Kyrie is great Kevin Love is great Paul George is the closest thing we've seen to a Tracy McGrady in the past little bit and much like Orlando they never hmm. did much to put anything around him so you know, I, didn't I really think we've seen our last Paul George as the as an Indiana Pacer for the last time. I didn't I didn't think about that second best player yeah who would be who would you consider up there with him though with LeBron well, 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 with Paul George, uh, you, you, like Demar look Derozan, at, maybe. Look at, look at De, okay, yeah, Derozan was probably probably be next. Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, you know all those. But Isaiah Thomas is, mind you, he's 28, 29. People don't really say that part. And, you know, Isaiah Thomas is, you know, almost past his prime. Uh, Jimmy you're, Butler, you're, Jimmy Jimmy Butler is probably Jimmy Butler would probably be third, you know, in that mix, and then you throw in DeRozan. I think but DeRozan as would a, be third. As a skill set, you look at outside of LeBron James, which player in the Eastern Conference could you easily build a team around? And Indiana Pacers it's and Paul Larry George. Bird, who's a consummate winner, hasn't done that. All right. Some say Super Bowl Fifty One could be a rematch between at um, the Atlanta Falcons and the New England Patriots. However, history has told us that typically. One of those teams doesn't make it back to the playoffs, or at at least the Super Bowl. With that being said, Atlanta will miss the playoffs next season. Mm. Hey, they'll make the playoffs. Will they make the Super Bowl? Eh, probably not. You're right. It's really hard to get a repeat Super Bowl in, in the NFL for sure. But they're not going to miss the playoffs. They've got an elite quarterback in Matt Ryan. Julio Jones will be healthy again. Remember, he was battling... A bajillion injuries last year with his feet, which is, of course, the worst place to be. Uh, their defense looked young and up and coming and was getting better and better as the year was going on and actually looked really, really good at, at times in the playoffs. I was very impressed by their defense. They've got the two-headed monster at running back with Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, who's really, really talented. And frankly, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't make the playoffs because their division isn't very good. You've got the Panthers, who looked lost last year and Cam Newton was not the Cam Newton that we saw in the Super Bowl season. You've got the Saints who are a, a, a literal mess of a salary cap who will be fine and uh, I just don't see anybody challenging them. I think they'll win the division again for sure and I think that they're a very good team and as long as Matt Ryan stays healthy I don't see any reason why they can't be a perennial playoff team as long as he's in Atlanta. So yeah, they'll make the playoffs. So I hate 
Hate it. Don't make the playoffs. Uh, I'm, I'm also gonna have to hate it. Um, I'm, I'm looking. You, when you look at the NFC South, uh, it can be anybody any year. Uh, I do think that I don't know if they'll be the best team in the NFC South. It's been somebody different for the past three years. So why would I believe any different at this point? You're looking at a defense that's looking like it's taking the right, uh, the right steps in the right direction. You have a guy like Vic Beasley right in the middle that can change everything you're able to do from a pass rush uh, standpoint, but also the front four that they had was actually really. Uh, it gave the Patriots a whole lot of trouble in the first half, and uh, I think that was that says everything. When you have a guy like Matt Ryan, too, he's been somebody who's been up and down. There's been he's had great seasons, but the team hasn't done as well. We've seen the Falcons start six and zero, and then drop the next six games after that. Last season was just one of those years that we just kept kept waiting for the shoe to drop, shoe to drop for, with Atlanta, and it never did. Much like the Carolina Panthers, we were waiting for it to, the wheels to fall off for them the year they went to the Super Bowl, and it never did. Now with everybody having a target on Atlanta, I think it's going to be a lot tougher for them to really get through this NFC South that has a much better Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, team that looks like they have. Have, uh, it looks like Carolina might be back to where they were before with another uh, healthy year of um, Kelvin Benjamin. So I'm looking at this point. Atlanta will make the playoffs. Will they? Will they be the NFC South champion? I don't know. All right. Um, I got two more here on the NFL, and I think I will go with uh, the draft-related one. So uh, Houston. We'll trade into the first round to get a QB. Ooh. Ooh. Um, I'll say hate. I'll say hate because I hope to God there's one team out there that's smart and is listening to people saying there's no first-round quarterback in the draft, and if you trade up and you get rid of something, then you're going to be an idiot for doing so because there's going to be talent there for you in the second round as well. So I'll say hate because they're going to look at it and go, we have a guy that we think could be serviceable in Tom Savage, and he's played for them before, and he's done fine for them before. You've got a talented wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. You kind of you got Braxton Miller who looked – decent to good last year so you've got guys there that are that are talented on offense and i think that you're going to be able to find a quarterback that's serviceable if it's not tom savage but if you trade up into the first round you're giving up picks you're giving up talent you're doing something to reach again there's that word we used earlier you're going to reach for a quarterback which is not worth it they've already made their big quarterback mistake they paid 70 $8 million to a guy they traded within a year in a salary dump trade that got them nothing. They already made the mistake. They're not going to do it again. They won't trade out of the, they won't trade into the first round to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Also hate that they'll trade out of the first round or into the first round to draft a quarterback. Um, it looks like they like Tom Savage and it looks like in, at the end of last year, especially when they knew what they had with, uh, who's the other tall guy? I can't remember his name right now. Brock Osweiler. Yeah. That guy. Um, they knew what they didn't have the with Ross Osweiler, so they decided to move with 21 Savage. And it looks like it's going to work out for them. You're looking at a team in the Texans that you knew was already set up to be really good. They were just missing that one piece. There's no quarterback in this draft, Deshaun Watson or otherwise, that's going to help you be any better than Tom Savage already makes you. You look at a defense that's already improving. You look at a running back uh, with um, 
a run game with is it Lamar Lamar Miller uh, right now. You've got some dope receivers. You need a guy that's able to get the ball to them. Tom Savage at least has a year of learning that offense with O'Brien underneath them. It's looking like they could be that team in the AFC South to really take advantage. You're looking at, man, Indianapolis, who has been down for a long time because they don't have an offensive line. The the Jaguars are the Jaguars, and the Tennessee Titans are maybe without Marcus Mariota to start the year. So No, if, he'll be back. He'll be fine. Oh, so well, so if he is indeed back, you're still looking at a Tennessee the team that you don't know what you're going to get from. You don't know exactly what their um, – what their identity is. You know exactly what the identity of the Houston Texans is. And the only thing they're missing is that trigger man. And from what we've seen from Tom Savage, he looks better than whomever they've had over the past three seasons. All right. Let's tally up the points. All right. It seemed pretty it's, even uh, today. It, it was a, a little bit more in favor of uh, Lynch the last two rounds. So we have uh, Lynch with a total of eight points. And uh, Rashad with a total of five today. All right. So Lynch it's because Lynch gets to go first every week. He gets <laughs> to make all the good points. Uh, there you go, Lynch. Well, I tied you now because now it's 3-3 three, three in the weeks that we've done it, right? Or 2-2. Yeah. Because two, two. you were up because in the week that I was out, you gave yourself the you, win. You, you, keep, you keep saying I gave myself the win. I won. Well, you, if you forfeit, I still win, right? You're the only one here. The other team doesn't show up to play. <laughs> That's a forfeit, and I get the W. All right, so coming up next, uh, I will be hosting the segment, although I'm not exactly sure what yet, so find out. We're going to talk Pirates baseball. That's No, Yankees baseball. That's after (laughs) the commercial break here on Sports Sunday. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Got to be honest, it's kind of a weird song. Well, leave it alone. It sounds great. like Sonic I, the Hedgehog, but it's not. I well, feel like it has a like kind of like a winner's circle vibe to it. Yeah, it's kind of like this chill, like positive it's vibe really, to it. I it like is it. really positive, though. I, I like feel like it. I can do anything. It makes me smile. It makes me happy. It makes me happy because I know that I won. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we had a short segment here, and uh, one thing that I just wanted to get to that we didn't really hit earlier is we didn't talk about the rest of the NBA playoffs outside of the Warriors-Blazers series. We kind of got carried away a little bit with the future of the Blazers, which is fine. But the, the most interesting, intriguing series to me that's going on right now is the Celtics and the Bulls. And I want to give Rashad some credit. He Thank called you, last week. He said the Bulls will beat the Celtics, and I called him an idiot. And I still think the Celtics will win the series, but the Bulls have come out and been really good and proven that the, that the Celtics have no inside presence. They got no rebounding presence and the Bulls have that in spades and they've been able to dominate two of the three games so far because of that. Now the Rajon Rondo injury is bad news for Chicago, which Real is weird news. to say, but he's been really, really vital for them in getting them those two wins in the first two games of the series. But this game could go six or their series can go uh, seven games. I mean, if the, if the Bulls play well enough, they can push it to seven all the way. It, it might even win. It definitely could, man. You're, you're looking at two teams that, uh, number one, know each other uh, incredibly well. But you're looking at two really tough teams, man. Avery Bradley is a badass and is super tough. I mean, obviously, Jimmy Butler is probably, you know, one of the you know toughest defenders and toughest guys in the NBA. But the one thing I was I was looking at the Bulls and there's so much championship experience on the other team. You've not just and 
D Wade has been to the finals and won. D Wade's also been to the finals and lost. Um, so is Rajon Rondo. And so when I looked at that thing, when I looked at the fact that you have at your point guard, you have uh, somebody battle tested, you know, that knows how to play and knows how to really grind it out with some veteran players. Then you have somebody like D Wade, who's a professional shot maker. That's what he does, you know, whenever he gets an opportunity. And then you turn around and you add what we just kind of agreed is the third best player in the Eastern Conference and Jimmy Butler uh, to that mix. And it's you look at that and I'm saying, man, Isaiah Thomas is great as he is and he is great. I don't know if he alone is enough to be able to carry that Boston team. Now, Boston is really good outside of IT, but the one thing they don't really have like that is that that experience. And then also, man, somebody like Rolo. Robin Lopez has played his ass off in this in this playoffs for them, and really for the for the year for the Bulls. Robin Lopez has been really really good for them. So I look at that and I say the Bulls are going to. Well, you, when you think at the at the additions that the Bulls made in the offseason last year, and what their record was this year, and they play in the East, you kind of think about how they underachieved all season. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as long as you make the playoffs, that's, with, that's with goal number one with guys like D Wade and Butler, you know, Rolo, all these guys. Records don't matter, and that's what, that's what Cleveland proved this year. I'll take like, my chances with the, the Chicago team against anybody in the playoffs, if, well, with the exception of the Golden State Warriors, uh, because I have those three guys on my team. Well, I will say this. I'm still not sold that they'll win the series. My buddy lives in Chicago. He's a, he's a Bulls fan, and he was like, oh, they're, they're, they're golden. They're good. And I sat there, and I told him I went. He's the, my guy, too. They're the one seed for a reason. He's my guy. Your buddy from Chicago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dan, I like him. Yeah. Um, I'm like, they're, the Celtics are a one seed, man. They're, they're not a bad team. They were the best team in the Eastern Conference this year in the regular season. They're going to come back in this series. I think the Celtics are going to win the series still, but at least they're going to make it competitive. And sure, they get a little lucky with the Rondo injury, but they got unlucky with the death of Isaiah Thomas' sister the night before the first game. Which was terrible. My yes. heart goes out to the Thomas family for, you know, especially being a, a, a Northwest uh, family, man. Just hearts out to them terrible moment right it, it happened in washington too didn't it seriously so, man. uh it, it's just they're they're a one seed for a reason i think they're going to come back and make this a series that's gonna and i think they're going to win the series so it's been intriguing for me i'm i'm very interested into why the celtics are so bad against just the bulls i know they split the series i believe 2-2 in the regular season so it's not like they were awful against them they were just competitive against the bulls or vice versa i mean the bulls were competitive against the celtics but I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. I'm also interested a little bit in the Jazz Clippers series now that Blake Griffin's out. And Rudy Gobert is now upgraded to questionable. So that might swing it. I really want to see the, the Jazz win. A, because the Clippers, I hate them. And it's hilarious to see them lose in the playoffs every year. I don't mind the Clippers. The Clippers, they're a little irritating and whiny, but they're Hollywood. So it's all good. Um, I'm, I'm, I've been really interested in the series, too. The Clippers, you kind of feel bad for them because they just can't seem to catch a break in the playoffs. You know, last year you lose Chris Paul and and Blake Griffin. This year you lose Blake Griffin. So that's pretty much any opportunity for them to be uh, competitive is is gone at this point. And you really feel bad because it's not always Chris Paul's fault. And this is another one of those reasons. Like, man, you he did all he could to get there, and this is how it worked out. All right, that's gonna do it for us today. Thanks so much for listening and texting on the Bridgeport Beers text line five five three zero five. You can find us on Twitter. At 1080 the fan at Mike Lynch27 and at TaylorMade503. Jesse's at Jesse Osman, A-S-Z-M-A-N. We'll be back next week. NFL draft will be in the books, I believe, when we're on. So we'll talk about some of the big picks. Have a little bit of a uh expose, I guess, on the draft. Is that the right word? We'll yeah, talk some more NBA playoffs as well. Blazers will probably be 
swept and or out of the playoffs for sure by then. And the second round will be set. So we got plenty of stuff to get to next week. But in the meantime, enjoy your Sunday evening and enjoy your week. And we'll see you then. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.